Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Authentic Audience Podcast. I am still in San Francisco recording. It's been a beautiful week, time spent with friends, still detoxing, lots of work, lots of play, lots of sunshine, all of the things. So excited for my guest to introduce you to my guest on the podcast this week. I have my speaking coach, Ryan Harris, who also happens to be a 10-year veteran of the NFL and Super Bowl champion. So we're talking sports this week. Um, No, I do not watch sports, and no, I don't know very much about sports, but my favorite thing about sports is how it brings people together. I think we need more ways in which people can connect and come together in community these days. Ryan and I met about five months ago. He was one of my speaking coaches when I gave that talk, Marketing Your Dharma, and we definitely connected. I appreciate him so, so, so much. He is a powerful, powerful speaker. He has a motivational speaker, public speaker, has a bunch of different radio shows, a very full post NFL career. And today on this episode, we talk a lot about mindset, the mindset of an athlete, what went into tackling people on the football field, what he was thinking about, growth edges, what happens when you reach such a big level of success, his post NFL career mentality, etc. We get into moments of authenticity, of inauthenticity. It's really powerful. I really appreciate his wisdom. I really appreciate knowing him. So grateful to have him on the show with me today, and I hope you enjoy it. Best-selling author Ryan Harris is a 10-year veteran of the NFL. In 2015, he became a Super Bowl champion after winning Super Bowl 50 with the Denver Broncos. He's also played for the Houston Texans, Kansas City Chiefs, and Pittsburgh Steelers before retiring in 2016. These days, you can catch Ryan on Notre Dame football broadcasts, his weekday radio show, Harris, Hastings, and Dover, Altitude TV's Let's Talk Sports, the Fantasy Football Hour, CBS for Denver and more. Ryan believes it's every person's right to be extraordinary and he speaks across the nation about leadership, mindset, and financial literacy. I'm so happy to know Ryan and so excited to welcome him to the show. Welcome, Ryan. How are you? I feel so honored. I feel like I'm coming out the tunnel or something, you know, at the stadium, you know. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you. Well, let's just start by, we haven't caught up in a minute. So what is happening in your world? Yeah, we had a uh, baby number three, which has been uh, an increase in uh, many areas, you know, but the best is that, uh, you know, I'm one of three, my wife's one of four. So for us having a third, just there's one more, even though he, he can't talk yet, you know, he's five months old. He, uh, He's in on all the jokes, you know, and he's, he's a part of it. So our love has grown. My wife and I, our teamwork as a family has grown. And it's so cool to be rolling as the Harris family. I mean, you got to look out for us. We are coming through. <laughs> it's so cute. I love following you on Instagram, seeing all the pictures of your kids are so cute. And yeah. I, uh, speaking of your new baby, you actually uh, were in the hospital Um when I was giving my talk on stage. So that's how we met. Um, how Ryan and I know each other is when I gave my marketing your Dharma talk five months ago. Um, 
I got hooked up with Ryan as my speaking coach. And uh, through that program, we got to hang out and meet, and he actually changed a lot of my talk. And I want to talk about that. But the actual day of my talk, you were watching it live, texting me from the hospital room. And it was so nice that you supported me in that way. I didn't expect you to be present um, to what it was going on with me that day. You really showed up as a coach. So I really appreciate that. It was it was fun, and you know you know uh, when there's a baby coming. Sometimes at hospital you're sitting there for two three hours, and and we got it gotten that time. So it was fun too, and and just to be in listening to your speech of, of being authentic and being complex uh, was really cool to go into that experience, kind of hearing that, and then going into it. And you nailed it. You crushed it. Thank you. I feel like it was good for the first run. Um, you helped me a lot though. So the first time we got on the call. I didn't know what to expect. And you were just like, go, tell me your talk. Like, give the talk. And I was like, no way. And you were like, do it. And that's, I mean, it was absolutely terrifying and super uncomfortable. And then you gave me the advice, which I so appreciated, is in that talk, Marketing Your Dharma, I'm talking all about embracing your complexities and being vulnerable and all this stuff. And I actually hadn't given any examples of my own vulnerability. And so you were like, where is your example? Where is your life example in this? I want to know about you. And so I redid that whole section and I think it landed so much better. And I shared some really, I think, personal moments um, in that talk and it just made it so much better. So that was such a fun experience working with you. It was uh, cool. And it was cool to, to, you know, you've got so much power and ability and, and, and inspiration in you. It's just, it was fun to encourage you to just open that door, open it up. You definitely did. So that's how Ryan and I know each other. I know very little about football. <laughs> I'm just going to preface it with that. But my favorite thing about sports in general is although I don't quite understand it, I'm not an avid sports watcher or player, but one, how it brings people together. Um, You know, we've got a lot of diversity and a lot of just opportunities to not be on the same team right now, especially within our country. And it's the thing, I love it about sports and I love it about Netflix. Like, It doesn't necessarily matter your political point of view or, you know, where you fall on certain sides of things, but people come together in a huge way for sports or, you know, against each other, but it's this camaraderie um, and the passion. You know, I dated this guy once who would literally cry when his team lost. Like, yeah, they they do studies the Mondays after teams lose in their cities, like, everything like the mood of the city's down like purchasing sales like deal making businesses down that next day can get crazy yeah (laughs) but I do love that about it like I don't think we have enough things that really like bring that you know sense of family or community quite like sports does or going to a sporting event it's kind of incredible so I can't imagine what it would be like to actually be on the field but I have a few questions um Specifically, you know, not so much about football, but about the mindset and your career and how the trajectory of your career has kind of taken off once you won the Super Bowl. So your position was offensive tackle. Was that always your position? Yeah, I still maintain to this day I'd I'd have been an all-pro tight end. But uh, my coach 
said, you're too big with the pads on, you're going to be a tackle. And maybe my coach knew something and I had fun. So for those who don't know football, we're the, we're the guys bending over in front of the quarterback and I'm on the edge. Uh, so I'm on the edge of that. And uh, our job is to protect and, and uh, create space. So that's, and that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with football because football really loved me first. I was a big chubby kid and, uh, growing up, all of a sudden my size could be useful. To, I had teammates. I had people who rooted for me who, you know, like you mentioned, didn't care about any of the preferences or experiences that I came in with because there's a shared goal. And, and you're right, there aren't enough forced situations like that. And uh, and so it was cool. All of a sudden it was cool to be big and I could help people move. I could, you know, create success for someone else and protect someone else. And um, so I, I had a, a blast doing that for 17 years, um, uh, wow. the, last, the last 17 years. So I guess my main question is when I watch football, it's very, it's very intense. It's very aggressive, but your position specifically is very much like one versus one. Um, you know, it's you against another player. And what are you thinking in that moment? Like, do you have to actually conjure hate or anger to sort of tackle somebody in that way? Are you making eye contact? Like what's happening in that moment? Yeah, and that's a great question, and, and it varies from moment to moment, but just to be in that place in the NFL, you have to be so far beyond loving competition. You know, one of the things that always, every step I took on the field, if you were across from me, I took it as personal disrespect that you thought you could compete with me, and to prove to you to never do that again, I wanted to rip your throat out. I wanted to, I wanted to make you yell. I wanted, to, I wanted to make you quit physically. I wanted to emotionally dominate you and let you know I'm doing it the whole time. And that happened to me at times, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, throughout my career. And it just, for me, it was such an awesome place. I mean, when you step across the white sideline, you are with 10 other people. And there's no coaches. There's no life outside of those white lines. There's nothing. And you get to be in that moment and, and you hear the breathing and the footsteps and you feel the thump, 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 thump of people running behind you and you hear somebody get hurt, you know, or you hear a big hit before you see it. And there's, it's such a dynamic atmosphere and it's so fast. And it's one of the things I miss in retirement is the speed, you know, and I've taken a lot of lunch money with people thinking that they're faster than me, but dude, the speed, the velocity, the impact, all of that. And it was, so, and the 10 other people you're on the field with have that same mentality. Otherwise they wouldn't be there. You, it's, it's such, it's such an intense mentality. Uh, and I had so much fun going to that place on Sundays. So would you be cordial after the game with somebody that you just, you know, <laughs> destroyed or like what is it like off the field yeah so I typically wait you know the worst part is when you go against your friends because yeah. that's one of the things people don't get in the NFL like whether it's teammates from so like Justin Tuck was a teammate with me at Notre Dame and we we grew up together we had formative years together there at Notre Dame and so going against him we didn't speak to each other for the first three and a half for the whole game really and in the third quarter, he just kind of extended out his hand as he was turning for a high five. And I gave him a high five. Like, we didn't talk. But then after right. that, how are your kids? How's the family? <laughs> so, but you really don't. You know, I never wanted to. Some guys will discuss with each other. But it's, it's a very different language on that field. I mean, even if you're, you know, even if you're saying hi to your friend, you know, or you're saying hi to an opponent you played, it's not, hey, it's hi. It's, hey, motherfucker, the fuck's up with you today, motherfucker? You ready to get this fucking work? That's you. Hey, 
good to see you. Let's put this, <laughs> you know, so it's a totally different, you know, vocabulary that you're using yeah. and intent with, you know, so it's, it's fun. It's fun. I think what I appreciate about that is like, it's this expected energy. Like, you know, it's not like a per, you know, like you said, you felt they were personally like there to get in your way. But at the end of the day, it's like, you can expect the other, there's a balance, I think of energy in that. And me knowing you off the field, you seem like a very compassionate kind of person. So to shift into that mindset, which I think shifts into my next question kind of perfectly because mindset is everything. I mean, I talk about this in my business all of the time. I met with um, a lot of resistance from my clients. I meet resistance all the time. And, you know, just a subtle shift in mindset can change everything. But this, what you were just talking about, (laughs) the athletic mind or the mind of an athlete it requires something, I don't know what, but I don't know if a lot of us have it. And my big question is, what is your approach to mindset? And for example, I was listening to an interview with you and you were talking about the night before the big game, the Super Bowl, and how you were all in this mindset of we've already won. We're already champions. One, how do you actually convince your mind that you've already won when you in reality have not? Also knowing that the other team is probably, you know, in the locker room across from you doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, and that's the big, that's the big thing with competition in the NFL though. Most of the other guys on the other teams aren't doing that. They, they aren't forming their mindset. They aren't visualizing their success. And, and I was big uh, on using the words, I am, I can, I will. And Muhammad Ali has been a great inspiration in my life. And one of my favorite quotes of his, which of which he has many, by the way, Um, But he said, I am the greatest. I called myself that before I knew I was. And that was the first time anyone had talked to, had had just expressed they had experienced self-doubt. And so for me, one of the ways throughout my career, I had nine separate surgeries too, all these things is I chose my mindset. Hey, I am a champion. I can, I am terrified the night before the Super Bowl. I'm going to my greatest achievement is going to be my greatest failure. They call, they call people who lose Super Bowls reachers. They say, hey, Ryan Harris reached the Super Bowl. And so in the NFL, they call you a reacher. Kind of a weird name to walk around with, right? Mm-hmm. I'm terrified. You know what? I'm also, I am excited. I am prepared. I am thrilled. I am going to live to see the other side. So what can I do? I can put on my pads. I can go knock the shit out of somebody. I can focus. I can remember to breathe. And that was one of the biggest things in those moments. You know, you got all this stuff going on. <gasps> no, breathe, you know, and I can compete and I can do what got me here. And I can believe we will be champions. I will raise that trophy. I will hold the Lombardi trophy. I will raise it and I will be a champion tomorrow. And my whole thing is, is what's, what's the alternative, right? Like the alternative is going into a Super Bowl thinking, I'm not a champion. I don't deserve to be here. I don't want to be here. I'm afraid of being here. I'm going to get found out, you know? And so my, my big thing with people all the time when, when we, when we discuss is I often ask, what's the alternative? You know, just a neighbor in my, uh, lately he was telling me, you know, me and my wife, we don't really go out since we had kids. I said, well, you know, it, what's the alternative? If you don't go out, what does that mean? He's like, well, eventually we probably become distant. I'm like, yeah, well, so what, so now what's your choice? My wife and I are going to go get some drinks tonight. My family's in town. Great. Good for you. You know, but the alternative to not, if you do not choose your mindset, if you do not believe in yourself before anyone else does, who will, who will, and, and 
what impact will that have? You know, anybody could have said anything to me before the Super Bowl, but they weren't going out on the field. They didn't know. And so you have to choose your mindset. And especially in the tough, in the tough moments and in your obstacles, find out what you can do and really start looking at the opportunities instead of the past. Wow. I mean, I can't quite imagine, I don't know what in my career is even, I don't think anything is as equivalent to the level of success in a football player's career of winning the Super Bowl. Um, and speaking of the alternative, my question was going to be for you. Um, well, first of all, what was it like? Like, what does that even feel like? I mean, so many I think a lot of football players probably get into the NFL with the idea of I'm going to win the Super Bowl or the dream. And so many people don't get it, don't even get there or are reachers like you called it. Um, So first of all, what on earth was that like? How has it affected your outlook on life, your ego, your experience and the alternative? What would it have been like for you in your career if you didn't win? Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic question. You when you win the win the Super Bowl, you are on fire. I mean, every fiber in your body is lit. It's just your whole your whole self is present in every cell, and it is. And you realize it's all there for you for for celebrating that moment. And you realize all the sacrifice was worth it. Everything was worth it. So often we want to have the answers, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna do this workout class. Will I really lose 30 pounds? You know, I don't know if I'm gonna do yoga. Will it really help me relax? Like, I want to know this one in, but you don't get to know those things. And when you, when you feel those things and every single cell, everything was worth it. Going to bed early was worth it. You know, staying up late, working out extra was worth it. And everything you believed about yourself comes true for other people. When I wear my Super Bowl ring, People know I know how to win. They know I know how to be a teammate. They know I know how to at least clean jewelry, you know, take care of something, right? <laughs> not a football fan. So there's all these things that I believe that even, you know, the year before I started 15 games and played 16 for the Kansas City Chiefs. And when I was done, they said, you have no football left. We don't think you have any football left. And so instead of being like, you know what? The Kansas City Chiefs are right. I'm done. You know, I'm like, no. I am, I am capable of helping the team win a championship. I can prepare and I will be on a team and I will help them win. And sure enough, you win the next, you know, I won it the next year with my team. So, you know, it's an amazing feeling. You're on fire. And I want everyone to have that moment in their life, whatever that is, that goal of that, that achieving that moment, that highest peak, because when it happens, you're, everything is alive and it is the most alive you've ever been. And and, the, and to be honest, the second part of your question is terrifying to think about what would have happened in my career had I not. I mean, so much, so much of what I did mattered. And yeah. if I didn't win a Super Bowl, I would never have known that. Just for me personally, it's not even about what other right. people would have seen. I wouldn't have known that sacrifices would, were worth it. I wouldn't have known that I I had that perseverance. I didn't, I wouldn't have known that level of perseverance. I wouldn't have thought I was as capable as I, as I came to know I am. And it's terrifying to think about what would have happened had I not. And and to your point, I mean, 1600 players will play in the NFL this year and only 53 become champions. A lot of guys will net, a lot of hall of famers never won a Super Bowl, and to be able and to know what it takes to win and to be on that team, it, it changed everything everything for me, for me personally, and then later in my life. Wow. I mean, it's a pretty big, I mean, 
like goal, you know, it's like I said, I, there's nothing in my career. I don't think that can sort of even come close to what that is for a football player, the level of sacrifice, all of that. It's, it's profound. Um, and that goes into my next question about growth edges. So you won the Super Bowl quite young, maybe not young for a football player, but in the span of your life, pretty young to achieve such an extremely high level of success. And I oftentimes talk about these growth edges in our business, in our career, in our personal life, and what happens when you reach one and that sort of limbo that we go into before setting the next one. Because a lot of times, even for me, I've reached goals that I never looked beyond them. So I get to that goal and I'm doing everything I said I wanted to be doing. And it's like, well, what do I do now? And so what was that like winning the Super Bowl? Like, how do you even set a next goal? What were your next goals? Yeah. And, and I'm so you know, glad you bring that in, intermediate time in, right? That, that time between of like, you just achieved it. And it's like, well, I mean, because right away at the Super Bowl, I was so sad. I was like, oh my God. And I didn't expect to feel it. I'm like, it's over. I mean, we had bus rides together. We do the team we were on. It was just, we laughed. We poked fun at each other. We had fun every day and it was done because not everybody's going to go to different places. You know, there's going to be free agency, different the team. And so for me, you know, I got, uh, I signed a deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers the following year. So my goal is to win it again. Um, but for me, I had to get off my couch. I took a, I like investing as a hobby and, and financial literacy. And I took a series six class because I was like, if I don't get off my couch, I will just wake up every morning and sit on my couch and watch TV. And because one of those feelings for me was, I never want to work that hard again. And I didn't know it was okay or even common until one of my friends is an Olympian and she won a medal. I said, how did it feel when you won the medal? And she said, I felt like I never want to do it again. And I I felt so guilty for having that same feeling of like, I know what it takes. I don't want any part of that. I don't want any part of the physical pain, the mental anguish, you know, the week by week stuff. And so there was this great sadness, great relief, and also just I took a small action to literally get off the couch. And then it just started building from there. And then you start moving in life again. And, and, and I said, okay, what else is it? What, what other goals can I set? You know, what goals can I set as a person? What goals can I set as a husband, as a father, as a friend? And so I just literally getting off the couch, going to that Series 6 class, um, just kind of moved me through that intermediate period and just got me kind of back in motion because it was, it was a relaxing void to be in right after that Super Bowl. That's kind of actually how I felt after my talk, except I do want to do it again, but it was this like sadness of it being over and, right. you know, all of this work and this camaraderie, you know, you go through it with these group of people and then all of a sudden it's just done. You're not meeting with them anymore. Your talk is over. Like you did it. That's it. That's the Mm -hmm. video. You know, what happened was going to happen. But I think it's, it's funny. Like that was a huge growth edge for me was to give a public talk and then you give it and it's kind of (laughs) like, well, what now? And I did sort of experience a little bit of a come down where I didn't do a whole lot a couple of days after that. But speaking of, um, you know, that come down retiring um how old were you when you retired 33 so that's that's quite young um but you have a pretty big identity wrapped up in football and you still do like you're still very much present in the sports community in a big way but 
for me, um, I was, I was talking to a mentor recently and she was saying, I'm 31 and she was saying how in her year that she was 30, she actually took a break because she had burnt herself out um, and took a six month break. And instead of in my head thinking, oh man, that sounds so nice. I was thinking, who would I be hmm. like without this work? I mean, it's how people know me. It's how I connect. It's how I find clients. Now my friends, like this marketing and this T storytelling and all of the stuff that I do every single day, I, I would feel lost. Um, how did your sort of identity shift when you were no longer playing every day? Well, and, and I was fortunate, you know, I was one of five players in my 10 year career who called their own retirement. A lot of guys' careers end with injury and with pain. And, you know, two years after they thought they were still had a chance to play, um, I had to find out a lot about myself, you know, and my biggest thing in, in retirement and really after winning the Super Bowl is I don't have to have the answers. I don't have to have a goal, but if I'm moving, that's great, you know, and I have a goal in everything that I do. I want to be great. So I don't, I don't need to be the number one broadcaster in the world, whatever the hell that means, you know, and you know, great. But what I do, I want to make people laugh. I want to give them something about the game that they love, that I love so that they can maybe start to love it as well. Uh, but for me, I had to just, it was, I, I realized I had to give, I had to give space for myself to meet myself again. And it sounds a little weird, but it's almost like I had to forgive myself for not knowing who I was and little things like I need to work out. I, I don't know what it is about me. And there you know, studies prove that, uh, you know, even 10 minutes of exercise every day grows your brain, keeps you healthy, but I'm somebody who has to work out. And I didn't think about that because for 17 years of my life, somebody told me I had to work out that day, you know? Mm. And so there was this, okay, this is, this is about me. You know, I, I like the taste of coffee, but I can't drink coffee in the morning or else I fall asleep at two in the afternoon. So I just took all this information and really started, you know, getting to know myself and okay, do I need to eat little as things as little as, okay, I'm going to pack the night before instead of the day of if I'm traveling somewhere and just figuring that time out. And then filling my time with activity, you know, randomly, my coach said, one of my coaches said, Hey, the guys who are successful after their career are guys who get into something right away. And in the NFL, 78% of guys are bankrupt and either chemically dependent or divorced or all three, two years after they're done playing. So I had to move and I had a teammate who, who took his own life uh, after back-to-back -back injuries. I have former teammates who are addicted to uh, pain pills and it's, so for me, I had to create forgiveness for myself to, to meet me. And then I had to move. I didn't care what it was. I didn't care what the goal was. I didn't have a goal. I was saying, yes, I was trying new things. I was being in uncomfortable spaces and I was loving every minute of it. It's so funny. I mean, when I think about you, like somebody, you know, said to me, Ryan Harris, I'd be like, oh, my speaker coach. Like, yeah. you know, to me, it's just, you're, but you're this huge, you know, champion football player. Everybody knows you as so many different things, but the sports champion doesn't come to mind immediately because what comes to mind is you giving these motivational talks is like, oh, he's this big public speaker. And then I remember, oh, wait, he also won the Super Bowl and played professional football for 17 years. And it's just kind of funny how we identify different people because as you were talking about all of that and your identity, it's actually not the first thing that comes to mind when right. I think about you, you know? So you have a very successful life now post NFL career. My last question about 
the NFL and playing on a team, a professional sports team, not very many people get to experience what that's like. Um, it's a lot of kids' childhood dreams, like actually living that life is extraordinary. And what was your biggest takeaway from that whole experience that you have brought into your post NFL life that you like continue to implement today? Awesome question. Build bridges, you know, and you, you know, whether it was me coming, going to Houston after they had training camp and I had to, I had, I had new teammates, I, you know, I had to meet new people and, you know, studies show our circles are getting smaller and smaller. We're surrounding ourselves with more and more people we already know and you got to build bridges and respect people. And, and also from being on teams, you know, what doesn't matter all the shit we think is, is different. That matters about us. None, none of that matters. I've had gay teammates, straight teammates, teammates who were swingers, teammates who were addicts, teammates who were, um, you know, strict teammates who were loose teammates who played golf before a game teammates who meditated for two hours before a game teammates who were black, white from Alaska to Mexico city. I'm Muslim. I had Christian teammates. I had Hindu teammates. I had Buddhist teammates. I had, um, you know, I'm not sure what the black Hebrew, I had black Hebrew teammates, you know, I had Nate, you know, I had all kinds and none of it mattered in the game. And so because of that experience, if you've got an issue with me or if we're different from each other, I want to build a bridge. I don't care if it goes to nowhere, but let's build it. I don't care if we use more of my bricks or more. I don't care. Let's build a bridge. Let's talk about doing yoga because we both like yoga. Let's talk about traveling because we both travel. And for me, there are so many opportunities that we pass every day to build a bridge with someone different than us. Someone who speaks and sounds completely different than us, likes things completely different than us. Because you know what? At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. You're living next to him anyways, aren't you? You're going to be taking the same train, aren't you? And so build the bridge, create those bonds. And that's something I bring with me everywhere I go, everywhere I go. Well, I would say you're definitely walking that talk. That's exactly what you do. And what, you know, I was actually nervous when I realized who my speaker coach was going to be. And then as soon as we got on the call, that's exactly what you did. That was my exact experience of you as well. We have so much in common. Like this guy's going to be my friend, maybe, you know? (laughs) And so I, I love that answer. And I think that falls into my next question perfectly is what is your why? you have a lot of what's you, you know, I, I, I have a lot of what's too, but you have a lot of what's you have a lot going on. Um, and my, you know, you can have to me, your what's are like all these different extensions of your why. So you have a talk show here, you're giving a speech here, you're coaching here. Um, but what is your sort of biggest mission or why that sort of fuels what you're doing professionally now? professionally encouragement, you know, I just want, there are not enough positive voices to say, get back in that pose, go for it. Hey, they're wrong about you. Hey, you can do this. And I want to encourage people uh, to, to, to achieve their dreams. I want to encourage people to have those tough conversations. I want to encourage uncomfortability. I want to encourage joy. And, and personally, and that, and that comes from me personally, everything I do comes from love. You know, my whole why is love. I love my life. I love the fact that I'm able to be alive and I love my family and I want to encourage people in their professional lives to go after whatever that is for them. You know, whether it's 10 cats or three dogs, it doesn't matter. Just go for it. And you know what? I'm not going to be somebody who's going to say, oh, that's weird. 
Oh, that's different. Hmm, are you really thinking about that? No, go for it. Great. You want to go hike Machu Picchu? Do it. You know, you've always had this dream to go to law school. Great. Check it out. Look at it. And encouraging encouragement is one thing that we do not do enough for each other. And I love encouraging it, encouraging others because so often we don't see our own capabilities. Even myself, I had coaches who had to, who coached me into places that I didn't want to go that I didn't know I could go to. And I want to, and, and so my why is encouragement, encouragement, go, go beyond what the situation is, what your obstacle is. Let's go for it. And I'm, and I'm going to be right there with you. Well, you're quite good at that, I must say, from being able to experience it firsthand. And you're doing it in a pretty big way. I know one of your what's is you're, you know, traveling, giving these huge talks all the time. You're public speaking. And um, I have a lot of listeners, entrepreneurs, artists, activists. And I think public speaking is a tough, it's tough. It was really hard for me. I can talk on my podcast all day. I can talk on my Instagram story all day. But something about, you know, to thousands of people, but something about getting up on a stage in front of 200 150 people was really scary. And I've watched a lot of your talks. They're incredibly motivating to say the least. Um, did that come naturally to you? Because I guess maybe being on a football field is sort of like the stage in a way, but did it feel naturally natural to transition to that? You know, I, I knew that there was impact there. And especially for me as an African-American, you know, so many people don't speak to young people who look like me, professionals who look like me. So, and, and it's not just me, right? That could be anybody. That could be, you know, uh, brown-haired ladies. That could be blonde-haired ladies. That could be people who are short, people who are tall, right? So I, I did want to make an impact and speaking is a great way to do it. I was actually, I didn't want to do it because I knew I would have to talk about things like my greatest failures. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that because you know, no one else does. Right. Why well, I got to do this, you know, <laughs> but, but I also realized, especially early on, I did some speaking like through the NFL teams and stuff. I realized early on that people would then reach out to me and say, Oh, you know, no one talked about this. I'm just, thank you for talking about failing. Cause I failed the other day and I thought my life was over and now I'm okay. You know, and one of my big things to talk about is having fun and just, and I get parents who email me after speeches all the time of after your speech, I, I've had fun with my kids for the first time in two years. And it's just, those things are awesome. That to me is impact. That makes a difference on a daily basis. And speaking is a great way to do that, especially with, if it's a company who's bringing their leaders together, if it's a, or a community group who's, who's bringing together different people. It's just a great way to make an impact. And, and as a six, five, you know, black dude who who's retired, I mean, that's like, you know, automatically people are like, what, what kind of unicorn is about to walk out here, you know? And it's a great way to make impact and just to get people to think differently and positively about life and, and opportunities. It's really powerful. And I'm really glad you're doing it. I would like to come to one of, I would like to see you talk live. I've only been able to watch them. Um, you know, I, I did a, I went down the Ryan Harris rabbit hole twice now because <laughs> once when I found out you were my speaker coach and then again, to prepare for this podcast and it's really motivating. And I, I'm really glad that that's what you're doing because I know you're inspiring a lot of people and inspired me to do it, you know, inspired me to get on the stage and share my message and talk about my failures. Like I got on there and shared, you know, it looks like to the outside world and it is, I have a successful business and 
we're really good at what we do, but that doesn't mean I don't get fired. And, you know, that doesn't mean I don't have fear and anxiety. And oftentimes when we share those, especially if people, you know, are observing us or think of us as these very successful people, especially you, the fact that somebody that won the Super Bowl can have failures or, you know, can have these experiences. Like one of my, one of my favorite things that you were saying, I was watching one of the talks and it's like, we're all really similar. We all experience pain. We all experience embarrassment. And that's actually what I'm learning more and more on this podcast is I interview people that are so different and I'm sort of afraid, like some people that have had really big traumatizing, like tragedy experiences, like how can I relate? And then we start talking about our childhood wounds of being made fun of on the playground. You know, like there's always that commonality that we have. And when you can connect people as, as hard as that is to say, like a lot of times you can connect in the pain points, but what I love about you and your talks is we can connect on that level, but then there's always a like high road. And then, you know, how to come over that. There's a difference between like dumping our baggage on people and like misery loves company versus, you know, what's the lesson, what's the aha moment in that and how do we handle it differently next time. So I really appreciate all that you're doing. What is your biggest advice? Because you are, are you speaker, are you coaching a lot of speakers or is that something you were doing for Aaron or how? Yeah, I, I love encouraging anybody, you know, anyone. And, and I've done some speaker coaching uh, for some. And, and you know, I, I just helped a, a co-worker at our uh, radio station um, buy her first stock, you know what I'm saying? So I do all kinds of things, you know, to, to right. encourage people for whatever they want to do. Um, but if, if it's with speaking, you know, my big two points, what, what, what is it that you're an expert at? You're an expert at something, you, something whether it's making macaroni and cheese or if it's, you know, putting together a financial plan or merger and acquisition or, or do, doing the handstand and the yoga. I mean, I don't, you're an expert at something. Now, what is that? And it, and it has to matter so much to you. It has to matter so much. And that's, and that's the next part is why should I listen to you? You've got to nail down what it is you want to talk about, what's important to you that you are an expert at, and then tell me why I should tell me why I'm listening to you. Why should I listen to you? Okay. You've got, you've got a marketing business all around authenticity and, and embracing complexity. I want to listen to that because you know what? I'm complex, even though no one, you know, I won't tell anybody, but I'm complex too. You know? So these just, you've got to give me a reason why I'm listening to you. And so many times people will have a great idea and not understand, you know, why we should, why people should listen to them and not dictate that. Or people say, well, you should listen to me because I've experienced these things. Okay, great. What things do you want to talk about? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, that's the disconnect. So you got to match that important expertise and give me the reason or a reason why I should listen to you. And it doesn't, you don't have to stay there, but it can start there. You know, you and I both breathe air. This is what's important about air. Great. And this could be a speech on molecules or, you know, you know, climate change, but you've got to start there and tell them, tell people why they should listen to you. I think that's really good advice. And I actually, the first three questions I ask anybody who reaches out to me that wants to work with us is who are you? What do you do? And why should I care? And I think people are always a little bit like thrown off because it's the first three questions of my brand document. It's not meant to be like, why should I care? But like, if you can't tell me why I should care about what you're doing 
and I can't care, then I'm not going to be able to market you successfully. (laughs) So like you need to know why I should care. And I think that that's so important, especially when it comes to the, the talk and the speaking, like so many people, there are so many people out there that have messages to share, but I think the, why should you care? Why am I listening to you? is a really, really good thing to think about. And I'm probably going to think about that when I go into my next talk a little bit more, though. I think I did a pretty good job, but I focused on the, the thing that, you know, we all can align on is resistance. Yeah. And I was talking to Aaron Weed who set us up together as to be your coach. And, um, we were talking about resistance. I don't know. When was this? like last week and she was saying I should be a resistance coach yeah. <laughs> because I like half of my job, you know, I've, I've just recently done the core values for my business. And number one, of course, is deliver results. Well, all, always we do honest marketing period. Right. But then under that it's, we deliver results and facilitate connections like building that bridge. And if a client is having low numbers that month or whatever, God forbid, um, I have that connection and that's always that resistance coaching. Like I will spend hours on the phone with the client, not talking about marketing, not talking about their numbers, but the resistance they're feeling to identifying with a certain title or a certain offer or whatever it is. And it's, it's kind of amazing how we can all really come together in this theme of resistance and overcoming it. And it's really powerful. And you helped me overcome resistance. And you, and you, gave, and you give people permission. Because what you I mean, one of the things that I loved about your speech and I love about what you do is you talk about resistance, not as finite. How many people do that? You know, like think about just bumpers on a bowling alley. Like, you know, you meet resistance, like you're, you're going off the edge, you know, or you're driving on a road. And to you deliver this message to people of, hey, resistance is good. Or resistance, let's, or let's explore this. Well, I don't know about, I've never explored resistance before, you know. And then you start looking, well, I resisted, you know, after my first football practice, I didn't know how to hit. I resisted going back to be embarrassed again. Glad I went back and didn't quit and just get, you know, do something else. And you give so much space for people with resistance. So yeah, I, I, I like that resistance coach because you let people know it's okay. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I really take it to the next level. Like I think, especially when it comes to doing what you're supposed to be doing, you know, if resistance isn't there, I actually question what you're doing because right. if it doesn't terrify you a little bit, like you should be playing bigger. Right. <laughs> And I, and I felt the biggest is, you know, the biggest time I ever felt resistance besides getting married, which I obviously definitely was the best decision I ever made, um, was doing this trip to Nepal. I'm really scared to fly. And I was going to Nepal for an entire month. And I've probably never been so afraid to like go into the unknown, travel into Nepal with someone I never traveled before. We weren't, we didn't know each other that well. Um, I mean, fast forward a year, we're taking 24 people back and I leave in three weeks, but it changed everything, this trip. Like it gets into your, something about that place. And I know there's lots of sacred places, but something about Nepal for me, if I hadn't gone and I'd let resistance win, and it's just this thing of where do you feel it? Like if it's in your chest, if it's in your heart and if it hurts to breathe, because you have to listen to your gut too. Your gut's saying not to do something. So it can be hard to you know, distinguish between the two. But if something is actually making me feel ill, like I feel sick about getting on a call with that person, I feel like that's my gut saying no. But if it's like hard to breathe, like it's, if it's in your heart space 
and like you feel like your chest is tightening, to me, that's where you want to feel it. And I feel it before every podcast. I even know you really well and I felt it today. I get so scared, you know, and it means that's exactly what you should be doing. So Yeah, and I used to get that way before every game, you know, yeah. and I, I started accepting instead of, and, and you know, whether it's fear or anxiety or whatever label you want to use, understanding how to work with that is such a game changer, right? Because, you know, when we don't feel that when we're going to get our favorite ice cream, right? Like you're going to go get your favorite ice cream. You've got zero anxiety. You're, you're walking in, you know, you may even be frustrated because it, you know, you get a couple red lights or something, but that's, that's not a growth area, right? Unless you're adding some new gummy bears or something, right? I mean, like don't be <laughs> crazy, but you know, we want to, so many, so many of us want to live there and, and we think that great things are going to come to us on that way to our favorite ice cream place. And that's not our history. That's no one's existence, not one person who's living right now. And so really just talking about that and embracing that uncomfortability, embracing fear. Every athlete you've ever seen, ever perform has had fear. They may have come off differently. You know, I had teammates who were braggadocious. I had teammates that had to stay up till four in the morning the night before. You know, it, it didn't, didn't matter how it came out, but everybody performs with fear. And once you understand that and find that for you, then you can move and grow. I feel like I might steal that. Everybody performs with fear. That's really good. Everyone. Yeah. I how love many podcasts that. have you done? How, how many? Dozens? Uh, almost 20. Almost 20. Yeah. And you're afraid every time, but you I'm knock them out. Every time. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I think I, I love that. And I think my biggest takeaway that I also might steal from you is what's the alternative, you know, like if you don't do it, if you let fear win, what's the alternative? I missed out on Nepal. You know, what's the alternative? I didn't give the talk. I didn't get to meet you. Like, I think that's a really beautiful way of thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate that. So to conclude, I ask the same two questions to everybody. Um, first and foremost, um, what is, and you're a pretty authentic human being, so I'm curious to know this answer. Um, however, we all make decisions or we all go against our gut or we listen to our ego. And what is an inauthentic moment in your career and business in your life that you can share and what sort of came out of that experience? Yeah. Um, man, that is such a deep one. That's like, whoa. You know, <laughs> my first lunch when I went to college at Notre Dame, uh, you go for training camps, you're, you know, you're practicing and you're with your teammates. And so I sat at this table with the other offensive linemen guys I'm going to be spending time with. And, and, uh, and, we're, and, you know, I started talking at, at this one point and one of them leans for one of the guys leans forward and I was the only, I was the only black lineman. One of them leans forward and goes, we don't talk like that here. And I just was, oh man, uh, okay. So I had to just, you know, so now I'm searching for a way to speak or a type of way to speak. And so I had to, and I learned early at that point, okay, I can't be myself around everybody or I won't be myself around everybody or someone, not everyone will hear what I'm saying if I don't speak their language. So I did have to move to an inauthentic way to communicate. Um, but that's okay. You know, that was okay for me because at the end of the day, the goal of my communication was to build friendship, build bridges and create an impact together on the football field. Right. Even. 
And if I've got to, if I have to do something new and even inauthentic at times to do that, that's okay. As a broadcaster, the toughest thing is being around the football field and not swearing, right? Where, you know, the Notre Dame radio broadcast, you say, hell, you get a letter, you know, like, mm-hmm. I didn't like you saying hell last week. And here's a, and I told you how, what it sounded like on the field for 17 years, you know, you're threatening people constantly. I, one teammate had another player tell him, I will skin you alive and eat you in front of your children. And it's like, you know, so now you're, this, now you're calling the game and you see this jawing back and forth and Ryan looks like there's some trouble down there. Yeah, Bob, they're really getting after it. And that's one of the great things about football. You know, I can't get into that, you know? So, um, so I, but that was, that was the first time in my life where I felt inauthentic to who I was. And it, and it does, it does affect me. It did affect me. And, um, and also at times, like I said, it's okay if I'm speaking someone else's language, but that was the first time I was kind of like, I can't be myself. Like what, you know? Okay, here we go. Yeah. Let's finish lunch. Yeah. I mean, this could obviously get down a whole nother conversation, which we don't have a lot of time for, but that story is like, I like feel it in my heart. Like it's so heavy to me and, and it's something I've been having conversations with friends about. And I have a friend who lives in Chicago and he was sharing a similar story to me. And I, I guess I live in this, it's, it's so fucked up and we don't need to get too deep into it, but he walked in and nothing about the color of his skin even resonated. Like it was just, Oh, Garrett's friends here. Like we're all going to hang out. And we ended up hanging out throughout the night. And then he made a really funny comment about, I can't remember what he said and I'll total, but totally butcher it, but we were watching basketball and he said something. And I, in that only in that moment was I like, Oh, like we're not the same. We're not the same color, but Mm -hmm. it had been hours. The first thing I noticed was his jacket and I, I loved it actually. And anyway, we ended up having this whole conversation. He was sharing this moment with us later on. And he was saying that even around us, like his good friends, be all of us being white, he was saying that he has to speak a little differently. Yeah. And, you know, in order for us to not be afraid or for us to not feel uncomfortable and, and it's just, it's not something I have ever had to experience, obviously. And it just, I, I thank you for sharing that. And that's the second time that that's come up in the last two months that I've had this conversation. And I, I need to get more real with understanding that, you know, not everybody thinks the way I do and not everybody sees people the way I do. And it's still so real. And yeah. to think that you have to speak differently, especially this, this person who I'm, I'm friends with, um, you know, that he shows up differently and dresses differently. And it's just, it's when my whole thing is authenticity. You know, right. my whole thing is authenticity. And if he did show up differently to that conversation or he showed up dressed, not as like cool and collected or whatever as he was dressed, would I have felt different? I don't know. So, you know, what can I do in that situation to help people that look and sound and talk all different ways to feel like they can show up and be their authentic selves? And, and, I, and the key, the key is to for try and be authentic while, I mean, inauthenticity is a mode of survival for many, many people, not just color and race or, you know, uh, preference. So it's, it's this unique thing of how do you be yourself when you're putting on a three piece suit, right? You know, it's like, or how do you be yourself when you're putting on a tie? Like, I don't know anybody who loves wearing a tie. My name's Ryan. I love wearing a tie. You know, like it doesn't (laughs) happen that way. 
But, you know, and, and also I, I really credit you and it's something I've really been so thankful to learn, um, uh, especially in the recent times that so many, it matters to, to you and to others that people are okay to be themselves around you. And, you know, I even had somebody ask me recently that said, well, Ryan, I, I don't see color. I said, okay, I'm, you don't see color. Great. I need 30 minutes with you. They said, okay, sure. Took him to a black barber shop. I said, now walk in here and make one new friend. Go ahead. And immediately they go, you're not coming in with me? No. <laughs> and I just want you to raise your hand when you realize you're the only white person in that room. And I want, to re- I want you to see, I want you to take notice of what you changed about yourself. Hmm. Was it your stance? Was it where you sat? Was it how you sat? Do you typically sit with your leg over your knee, but thought you'd take a wide berth and spread your shoulders? I mean, what was, what was different there? And it was this experience for them that I was able to show. And that's what I always tell, hey, go ahead, go into a black barbershop, make a new friend. You want to have an experience? You want to feel out of it? Go try that. And, and, you, and, the, and the first thing is people be like, well, where's a black barbershop? Like, exactly. You know, how far away are you? And, uh, and those experiences bring us closer together. Again, the things that are different about us do not matter. What matters yeah. is everybody having fun watching that basketball game. And what matters is being in a community where you can talk about inauthenticity and while being authentic. Yeah, I think that that's really important. And and the whole authentic and authentic conversation, someone uh, on my podcast last week was saying that, you know, as humans, we're inauthentic, you know, like, I use plastic, I do this, like, I have to be okay with the inauthenticities that make me authentic. And I think for me, authentic can be interchanged with awareness, like, it's just being aware of who you are and being aware of when you're showing up in that moment that you're not fully a hundred percent being yourself, why you're doing it, you know, coming back to like the why behind what you're doing. I don't think anything is good or bad. It's the intention behind it that makes it what it is. And just the awareness around why we're acting a certain way, why we're showing up a certain way and not always being able to be a hundred percent yourself. It's funny that you bring up black barbershops because I live right next to Richmond and on Friday nights, those places are popping. Yeah. It looks like a party in there. Atlanta, they got 24 hour barbershops. You You drive down. So between where I used to live and my parents live, you drive down Richmond and the parties, the scene that is happening in those barbershops, I know exactly what you're talking about. And there's like one on like almost every block and each one is pouring out. It's so funny that you brought that up. And I was like, that is a scene. I wonder what they're talking about. Like, I totally want to experience that. So, but now the fact that you even suggested that I'm like, how would I feel about walking, yeah. actually walking into one of those places? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, this who is- I am. There's some authentic parties going on there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and just to notice what changes for you, you know? Yeah. And that's, it's such a powerful experience. And, you know, that's why I love with, with food. Hey, Lyman, we always love food, right? But go to a restaurant, try some food that you've never tried before, you know? Maybe you'll meet a new friend, maybe whatever. Maybe you won't like it, you know? I don't like Nigerian stock fish at a Nigerian restaurant. I figured that out, you know? But at least I tried it and I was uncomfortable. And, yeah. and, we, and we stay away from those moments so often when those are the best moments, the most formative moments for our lives, for our growth, and ultimately for our happiness. I love that. Well, I'm definitely in the space of feeling into these conversations and like, I'm so open to it and I'm so, you know, excited to whatever I can do to be a part. And 
this movement of bringing people together, whether it's sports, uh, maybe I should start watching sports more. Um, who is your favorite sports team? Is that a weird question to ask? Oh, no, I'm a Vikings fan. I grew up Vikings. a Vikings fan, you know, and, and for anybody and, and whether it's, you know, dance or whether it's, uh, you know, we all love the Olympics. Why? It's not because we love curling. It's because somehow we fall in love with the curler who's representing us and where they're from. Totally. So, you no, know, the big thing is find someone and that, that their story resonates with you. And that way you can, uh, you can, you can start following that person. You'll learn some other things. And then also too, if you ever get stuck in a football room, just say defense wins championships and, <laughs> and people will think, you know, what you're talking about. Got it. I love that. And that's so true in everything. I think people follow people, you know, they don't necessarily follow teams. Well, maybe they do, but mostly people. Um, I always say people follow people and then they follow brands, you know, and that can, same thing. Like I have two friends, it's so off brand for them to be as into sports as they are. They're these like super spiritual musicians, but they don't miss a game. Like you would think they're meditating before they go on stage, but they're watching basketball. (laughs) And um, it's the people, they like have these two players that they just like won't miss a game. And I think that's so interesting. All right. Well, I feel like we could keep talking forever, but my very last question is an authentic moment, a moment where you made a decision. It was out of integrity. Maybe it was tough, um, but how it felt afterwards and the experience of staying in integrity and authenticity, despite what others might think. Yeah. Two moments come to mind. One, uh, there's a player on the New England Patriots who I've played, who I played against over the course of my career, and we were familiar with each other. And in the playoffs, in the AFC Championship game, he took it to a new level. And um, and so one of the things he said is, you know, he said, you know, fuck you, motherfucker, I'm killing you all day, bitch. And, I, and so that very next play, I knocked him on the ground, I speared him in his side, I fucking went after him until the referee had to rip us off, and I'm foaming at the mouth. You motherfucking piece of shit. I'm, we're running at you all play. I'm telling my coach, our whole fucking game plan is to come your way because he knows <laughs> that I'm whooping your ass all fucking day. And in that moment, I loved, I loved it because here I was in the biggest game of my life being challenged in a way from a player I knew in a way I've never been challenged before. And I said, "Uh uh-uh, fuck you back. And that to me was a moment of like, I am who I believe I was. I am who I say I am. I am able to stand up in these moments, whatever moments come up and be myself. And that, and he, and he gave me a look in the first quarter of the game. It was over. It was over. He knew that I was willing to go there and he didn't have it in him to do it. And that moment was fucking awesome. And then later, you know, when I went to uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, they, in the NFL, they want players to be broke. And I was fortunate and to have some great mentors and financial literacy is huge for me. So the Pittsburgh Steelers wanted me and offered, offered me a deal that was $2 million below uh, my market value. My, what I knew was what I would be willing to do. And so I said to them something that later they said they'd never heard a player say. I said, I'll go home. I said, if you don't want to meet me, I'll go home. And the look on their faces was like, we were offering you a chance to be a part of the Steelers. And this is a, this is a good deal. And I said, I don't, I don't need a good deal. I need a great deal. I am a great player and I need a great deal. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. I'll go home. Well, give us, give us some time here. And, and five minutes later, they came back with the exact deal I wanted. And because I believed in myself, because I set firm boundaries, 
I really created a drastic difference uh, in in my post playing career because of the additional um, things I was able to do, you know, and and being in that moment of okay, this is why I saved my rookie year. This is why I saved my fifth year. This is why I don't have two cars. This is why I haven't bought that Rolls Royce that I've always wanted. This is why I don't have a vacation home in Florida and in California for moments like this. So I can tell a billion dollar organization, if they don't want to pay me, I'm leaving and that's okay. And that was such an awesome moment in my life for just everything that I had literally saved for. That's pretty incredible. That I'm going to take a lot. I mean, there's so much in this. I can't wait to go back and listen to this and just, you know, lovingly steal so much of what you've said, because <laughs> I think that's to say no on that level. You know, saying no is really hard for me. I think valuing ourselves when like, for me, even what I'm selling is, is a service, but it's me. Yeah. And how to separate that is, is really hard. And then as an athlete, like it's actually you that you're yeah. putting a value on. And I think it can be really hard um, to do that and to say no, especially when the stakes are that big. And I'm really probably going to take that moment that you just shared with me into a lot of moments because saying no, especially like I want to help everybody too in my business and having to say no is really hard, but knowing that I'm worth more, knowing that the experience they're going to have, not even me from an ego standpoint, but the value that they're going to get from working for me, like the value that that team was going to get from you being on their team, you know, taking the ego out of it was worth more than that. And I just, I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate your time today and just happy to know you. Hey, same here. Happy to know you. So thrilled for you. It's it's fun following you and and seeing your continued success. And thank you for all your impact on all of us. You impact us all. Thank you. Well, um, where can we find you? You were saying something about Monday nights. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be doing a couple of Monday night football games uh, on the radio. So cool. uh, The Steelers Monday night game and the uh, Vikings Monday night game on. Uh, December 2nd against Seattle. I'll be on that. Um, check me out, RyanHarris68.com. It's got all my Instagram and um, um, Facebook or Twitter stuff. And uh, yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're if you uh, into football, Saturdays, I'm, I'm your Notre Dame football radio broadcast commentator. So I tell you why it happened and I paint a picture for you so you can relax on your back porch and not have to watch TV if you don't want. Or if you're in the car with the kids, you can still hear how God's team's doing on Saturday. I love that. I'm totally going to tune in. I'd love to hear one of those. Yeah, it's a blast. That's great. Well, thank you for being here. Hopefully I'll see you when you're in San Francisco. That would be great. Yeah, see you then. See you in person. Um, But in the meantime, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for taking the time today. And this was such a cool episode. It was a little different and much needed. I feel like it was a huge, it's just very refreshing. So I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you for being here. And until next time, keep growing.